the other day, I was scrolling through my Facebook feed, and I came across a post posted by a mother of one of my former students. This post was a text message from a college student that this mom had received, and it said, I never understood why you were so strict about keeping the kitchen scissors in the kitchen. Aren't they all the same? Does it really matter where they are as long as they're in the house? Why do we need kitchen scissors anyway? But today, today I finally understand. I had an acai packet in hand, starving, and all I needed to get to my meal was to open this strong plastic packet and I could enjoy it. But wait, where are the kitchen scissors? They're always in the top drawer by the oven and somebody has not put them back. This inconvenience tripled my preparation time. I eventually had to use fingernail clippers to open it up. <sighs> my day has completely shifted. Today changed me. Kitchen scissors are no joke and not to be taken lightly. I am deeply, deeply sorry. Reading this, I am going, yes, yes, nodding in agreement. This was my childhood too. Aaron, where did you put the kitchen scissors? I don't know. Ask my brothers. It wasn't me. Kitchen scissors were important in my house, too. But guess what? I, too, am now the proud owner of a pair of kitchen scissors. They sit on the refrigerator in their plastic sheath, and I always know where they are. Always handy. I, too, understand the need for kitchen scissors. I wonder if some of you parents out there in the congregation this morning want to throw your hands up and yell with vindication with this mom. I imagine there are a few things that eclipse the thrill of watching your children grow into a deeper understanding of why something is the way it is. And possibly something is, there's not anything more thrilling than the child actually admitting it to you. And growing in understanding, it's not just for our children. At one time or another, we've all had to grow in a deeper understanding, to become more intentionally aware, to become knowing more deeply about something. New parents, such as myself, are asking, why is the baby crying? We've checked the diaper. We've given her a bottle. What do you need? At work, we have the need to understand the new directives that are being passed to us and the next steps we have to take to accomplish the next goal on the goal chart. We want to understand the complexities of racism and climate change and the things that build the social structures around us. And as we reflect on the shared experience that we have gone through this last year, we are searching for understanding, a 
of where and of what is next to come. Do we understand what God is up to? Do we understand the kingdom of heaven? The disciples face the same question. What is God up to? What is the kingdom of heaven, and what do we understand about it? This new series, The Kingdom Parables, that I'm beginning today is going to explore the six parables that happen in Matthew chapter 13. And it's going to guide us to a deeper or a new understanding of the kingdom of heaven. Today, we read the first 23 verses. Guess what? That's half the book. So the next few weeks, the parables are going to be nice and short, quick hits in the, the, in the scriptures. But the topic at hand with these five parables that will come in weeks to come, wonder one thing. What is the kingdom of heaven like? And that's what Jesus starts with. The kingdom of heaven is like. Fill in the blank, and he'll let you know. And today's story sets the table. Today's parable sets up for us what we need to step into in order to begin to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. In the first two verses, we find Jesus has woken up and left the house he was staying in, and he is down by the lake. And he's teaching a crowd of people. He gets out on the boat, and he pushes off away from shore, and with the assistance of the area around him, the water gives him a flat acoustic surface, and the hill behind them has their own natural amphitheater there on the lake shore. And Jesus is teaching the people using parables. Now, I explained to the children, for all of us, what parables are. This traditional teaching technique to share truths and to challenge the people of Israel. The rabbis have been using them for years. But Jesus takes this tradition and he spins it, gives it a little, a little new twist. No longer am I just sharing the truths of God with you, but I'm actually giving you an insight to what is happening among you. We are invited to step inside of these stories and make them our own. And one comment that I really appreciated as to what parables are, are that parables transform the ordinary things of life into vehicles of truth. These parables that we hear transform the ordinary things of life into vehicles of truth. So Jesus starts his parable. There is a sower scattering seed out there by hand, and the seed falls in four places. Falls on a path, falls on a rocky place, and it falls among thorns, and finally it falls into the good soil. And in each one of these places, something happens. The seed on the path is eaten up by the birds. The seed that falls in the rocky place quickly grows up and is scorched by the sun. 
And then those that are falling among the thorns eventually get choked out and don't bear fruit. And then the good soil produces a hardy crop a hundred times or sixty times or thirty times what was sown. And then the next thing picks up. And the disciples say, Jesus, why, why parables? Why not just come out and say it how it is? Why not just tell us what's really on your mind? Why not be plain? And Jesus, he answers them, because the knowledge of the secret of heaven has been given to you, the disciples. But it has not been given to them. And for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now, I've always found that particular line to be very interesting. Because Jesus is teaching in a parable, and you go, wait, if I have, I'll have more, and if I don't have, I'll even have less. It makes you think it's about stuff. Well, I learned a secret this week. It's not about stuff. It's about understanding. In this comment that Jesus has shared with the disciples, he's saying, those who understand will be given the gift of deeper understanding. The truth that comes with wisdom begets wisdom. But to those who do not understand, these things will wither, they will pass, and they will lose interest. So those that have not been given will lose. And it also stands out that the secret belongs to the disciples. For our Jewish audience, reading the book of Matthew, when we take the tradition and the dependence on the law, that is what they would be holding on to. For us today, what is it that we have been holding on as wisdom? What are the things that we understand? And for us here at Huguenot Road asking what is shifting, what is changing, we wonder about our ministries and worship and our commitment to the surrounding community. Having given to the people that he's talking to a scale of understanding Jesus answers the question a little more directly. He says in verses 11 and 12, this is why I speak to them in parables. And he quotes for them Isaiah. And if you remember last week, this is the same quote from Isaiah that Paul used. Though seeing they do not hear, they do not see, and though hearing they do not hear or understand. And you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. To his disciples, he is saying, you have been blessed to see and to hear. And blessed is the one who sees and hears the kingdom of heaven and is able to move from their head 
to their heart, and from their heart out to their hands and their feet. Giving them a sliding scale of understanding, he explains to them what the parable means. The seed that has fallen along the path and been eaten up quickly is like the message being taken by the evil one, never having the chance to understand. And then the next, moving to the seed that falls among the rocks, is like being poorly rooted, and it withers. This is the seed that if we understand and we come to trouble and persecution, we give it up. As the message tries to move from our head to a heart, we don't move with it. And then the third seed that falls among the thorns that is crushed by the worries of life and temptation, the temptation of wealth and the things of this world choking out the understanding of the kingdom so it may have drifted to your heart but never made it out to your hands. And then finally, at the end of this understanding, a fourth place where the seed has fallen and it produces fruit and the message of the kingdom of heaven has moved from head to heart to the hands and the feet and this person has been blessed with understanding. Have you been keeping track of how many times you've heard the word understanding this morning? In this text alone, in the first 23 verses, the word understand shows itself five times. And in this chapter alone, it shows up six. So where is that last utterance? If we fast forward to the end of where we will be in six weeks, when Jesus finishes the parables, he says to the disciples in verse 51, do you understand all of these things? Another way to ask this question is, are you a disciple or are you in the crowd? Have you received greater understanding? Are you in the boat listening to these parables or are you on the shore? And wherever you see yourself, wherever you are hearing this story, what are you going to do with what you've heard? N.T. Wright has a reflection on these parables, and I've written it down to read it to you. And he says, like the crowds on the lakeshore that day, our task again and again as we read the scripture is to think about God's work in our own day and to think it through and figure it out. He continues, Christianity isn't cozy little lessons to make us feel better. It's about what God's doing in the world what God's already done in Jesus, and what God wants to do through us today. The challenge of the next six weeks is to understand the secrets of heaven and what is being revealed here at HRBC and what is being revealed about our corner here in Richmond and in Chesterfield about the kingdom of heaven. 
my encouragement and my challenge to you this week and these next six weeks as we go through these parables together is to pray, Lord, help me to see your kingdom. Help me to understand your kingdom. And imagine what could happen if we all went home and every week for the next six weeks we prayed this prayer and we thought about the parable that we heard that week and we prayed, God, give me understanding of your kingdom and what it's to be like in Richmond and in Chesterfield. I wonder if you could imagine what the kingdom of God is to be like in your homes. What is the kingdom of God to be like at your work? And imagine if in six weeks we have wrestled with what the kingdom of heaven is through these parables and we came back and we answered the kingdom of heaven and Richmond and Chesterfield is to be like blank. What would it be like if we came back with five clear ideas? What if we came back with three clear ideas? What if we came back with one cleared, shared idea? Do you believe the Spirit of God can do that? Is that unsettling? Is that daunting? Does that make you nervous? Alone, it can be overwhelming. But together, what can God do through us? Up on the screen, I want to share an image with you this morning. If you can see it, this is a picture of Das. Das is a border collie who lives in Chile. And she's a member of a three-dog team. Back in 2017, Das and these two other dogs were trained to do what they love, which is run. But on their backs, they carry a pack. And on that pack is filled with seeds of native trees and native plants. And the owners of Doss take Doss out to the scorched earth where this devastating wildfire was. And Doss runs. And Doss comes back and gets more seed. And Doss runs and comes back and gets more seeds. And also treats, because dog's doing work and needs treats to keep doing the work. But as Doss runs, out of the pack falls seeds, and the seeds fall on the ground, and the ground has been marked by wildfire. It has been scarred, and these seeds are being scattered. And I wonder, five years from that point, what that land looks like. Ten years from that point, what does the land look like? Twenty years what does the land look like where Doss and her two companions have spread seed across this area where wildfire has destroyed everything? The last 15 months, our lives have been scorched. And we're at the beginning of a place where we can account for what has been lost and what remains. 
And while our lives may look bare to what we remember before this point, the Spirit of God is running about. And the Spirit of God is scattering seed again, scattering the seed of the kingdom of heaven, and the seed that the Spirit is scattering is something native, it's something unique, and it's something that belongs here in Richmond and in Chesterfield and in this corner where Huguenot Road Baptist Church calls its place home. So may we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the hearts to understand the kingdom of heaven as it is to be here.